This week on the AI and Sales Podcast, I speak with Roy Renati, CEO and co-founder at Chorus.ai. Chorus's AI platform improves customer conversion rates by recording, analyzing, and garnering insights from conversation with prospects or customers. In this podcast, Roy talks about the revenue impact of client conversations and how conversations should be viewed as a corporate asset. He also shares some fascinating insights on how to deal with potential clients who bring up your competitor in a conversation. What does it mean and what should you do? All this and a shocking statistic on how much conversational data is actually captured in a CRM. Let's jump right into it. The first question I have, Roy, is, you know, tell me a little bit about, you know, Course AI and basically how it came about. You know, what was the impetus in the market or the problem you saw in the market that said, hey, we need to develop this product? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I was uh, I was reading your HBR article, which, by the way, kudos because the uh, editorial process on getting those things in is is, uh, is is not easy. But you were talking about data being the new oil, right? Mm-hmm. And in 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 AI and in business in general, um, and I'm a big believer in that. I think that businesses that are data centric and customer centric are going to dominate their markets. And when it comes to data, when you look at B two B selling. The conversation that you have with a prospect or with a customer is 80% of the data. And yet, until a platform like Chorus came around, nobody thinks of conversations as data. Nobody thinks of conversations as an asset for the business. And that was really the opportunity for us. We said, wait a minute, you know, the most important fundamental thing that we do as humans is communicate. And if you can understand the difference between somebody who's really effective and somebody who's not, that has, a, that has an impact even further beyond sales. But there's so much revenue impact tied to those conversations in sales that it's a great place to start. And so when we reached out to, you know, in the early days, maybe 25, 30 VPs of sales that were running teams and asked the question, Antonio, you know, who's the best rep on your team? You know, and, and you know, make up a name. Uh, Who is it? Who comes to mind for you? uh, Jose Santana. Jose Santana, right? So Jose Santana is probably one of the most high-performing, consistent reps. And you ask somebody, what is it that they're doing differently? And and the answer is, you know, I don't know. And actually, if I were to ask Jose, I don't even know that he could tell me. Because when he's in the mode, when he's in the zone, he's just doing something and it's resonating, right? And he's learning things from the prospect and he's using that in the way that he's telling the story. Um, and so we just realized, you know, if these top sales reps can't even articulate exactly what it is that they're doing, maybe the technology can help. Um, and so we just said, you know, somebody needs to help businesses realize how powerful conversations are, how valuable the data is. And we built a company around that. Um, and so our, our background is really in speech and AI and machine learning. So we have six PhDs on the team. Uh, one of my co-founders sold his last business to Intel in speech recognition and NLP. And we just said, you know, we'll bring the technology and we'll actually partner with some of the fastest growing sales organizations in the country. Let's help them help us shape the product and the roadmap. And we'll bring the technology expertise to bear. So those for those who are listening to this podcast and hearing about Course AI for the first time, you know, explain what your product does specifically. Yeah, you know, very simply, we analyze your business conversations and we use the insights to help you close more revenue. 
So the three things that customers use us for is number one, you know, everything starts with the sales reps because we are recording, transcribing, and then analyzing their meetings. And so we built a, a product that reps love. Uh, and reps don't love taking notes and reps don't love updating CRM. Uh, and so imagine that when they're using Chorus, all of that happens automatically for them. They don't need to change their behavior. Chorus will join their meetings. It'll transcribe it. It'll summarize it. And it will put that summary into CRM for you. Um, once we have that information, there's a big benefit to the organization. Um, and so the two problems that we answer are, if we look at some of your most consistent, high-performing reps, what do their conversations look like? What do their sales processes look like that differs from everybody else that's leading to better results? And so our customers use that to put together playbooks. Um, and then the third thing is looking across all of your won and lost deals at the patterns in conversation that lead to higher win rates. And so you can better understand, you know, let's double down on what's working. What is it in these conversations that's leading to closed deals? And if we're losing deals, what are the key topics that we're spending a lot of time on so that we can get better at them? And I love, you know, I was excited for this interview because I love your product, right? And there's a statement, I believe it's on your website that you captured it. And this number really hit me the first time I came across your company website, which is only 5% of the actual information from a conversation make it into a CRM. 5%. Right. And it, I mean, just talk to me about that because I think people don't realize, and I think you've already said it, that there's a lot of information that you don't port over after a sales conversation. And if you've talked to five or 10 people in one day, you know, there's something called the Ebbinghaus curve where you lose more information as the day goes on. The retention is not there. And that's where a tool like this really plays into, you know, the conversations. You know, talk to me about that, about information lost. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for, for everybody that wants to be data driven, the CRM is supposed to be the source of truth. And there's this multi-billion dollar industry for customer relationship management. Um, but when you buy a CRM, it's empty completely empty, right? And then we put in some accounts that we want to go after, and then it stays empty unless salespeople fill out notes. Um, the challenge is that conversations, that most fundamental thing that we do in sales, don't fit into boxes cleanly, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the, the most simple thing that you could imagine, which might be, is the deal competitive, is a Dropbox. And we found out that competitors get talked about 10 times more often in conversation than they get filled out in a Dropbox in CRM, okay. right? And so if it's a one deal, a rep is going to be very likely to fill that out. But what if it's a lost deal? Are they still going to be as likely to, to, to fill out that dropdown? Or what if, you know, uh, a classic situation that happened with one of our customers, we found out that 90% of the time when a competitor would come up, it would come up in the first five minutes of the first meeting. And what we found was that there wouldn't be subsequent meetings after that, right? And what that meant was that customers were actually far down the buying process with a competitor. Mm -hmm. They came inbound to basically say, you know what? My manager wants me to go, you know, check out another solution just to make sure that we're not, you know, that we're making the right decision here. And so I sort of need to check the box on this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a call. I'm just going to ask you like, hey, hey, what's the difference between you and your competitor, right? I'll do one quick call. And then I'm not actually going to follow through in the sales process. Now, a rep doesn't necessarily think, wait a minute, I just lost a competitive deal. This was just somebody coming inbound to ask a couple questions. Hmm. But a marketer and a VP of sales would realize, wait a minute, we're not getting 
to our buyers early enough. Our competition is getting there before we do, and they're getting far along that buying process, and then they're just coming to check us out when they've already effectively made up their mind, right? And so that type of information doesn't make its way into CRM. So it starts with notes, and it starts with giving visibility to managers of the conversations that you're having and what's happening. Um, but beyond that, it becomes a place where you can really go to learn, you know, why are we winning and losing? So, so I think that's interesting. And I, and I want to break this down for my audience to make sure they got it. Because again, this is really fascinating stuff. And it's really going to augment the salesperson. And that is what you just said. I'm going to restate what you said, but I want to make sure they got it. And that is that in conversations where deals have been lost, and if I'm, again, if you need to correct me, Roy, please do so. In deals that were lost, the competitor was mentioned early in the process, within the first five or 10 minutes, you say. So if that's the piece of insight that we were able to extract out of, out of these conversations, out of the multiple conversations we've heard about win and lost deals, that I, as a salesperson, the next time around, one of the things I know is that if I hear a competitor mentioned early, I now kind of know where I stand and I can make the adjustments to my sales plan right there and then. Does that kind of capture it a little bit? Yeah, you nailed it. You know, if somebody comes inbound and they mention a competitor, the likelihood of that deal closing is twice as high as your average deal because it means that they're actually in market evaluating solutions. The number one reason we lose deals is to no decision. So if somebody comes in and mentions a competitor, that's a great sign. And it means that you need to be proactive about talking about your differentiation, laying your landmines. Um, and yeah, you know, most managers don't know anything about a deal until it hits their forecast. Right. And by the time it hits the forecast, it's so far down that it's actually really hard to shape that bit, that sales process, right? It's hard to shape the decision criteria, et cetera. And so knowing that a competitor is going to come up early on and using that to change the way that you have that conversation becomes really powerful. Okay. So when we look at these conversations that we're recording, right, we have the algorithms analyzing these conversations, trying to extract as much insight as possible. I'd like you to talk about a little bit about, and this is kind of a sore topic with a lot of people, but I like to talk about this, is when salespeople leave. And let's say you work for your large B2B company, salesperson leaves. And I, as a manager, just lost one of my guys, right, or gals. And I don't have the relationship personally. The salesperson had them. How does this system now help me as a company and as a manager bring somebody in and get them to, I'll, I'll say, up to speed faster? Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a really, really common problem. And, and you're right. A lot of folks don't like to talk about it. But you know, if you think about it, 50% of reps, I think the, the latest data from CSO Insight is you know, anywhere from 50 to 55% of reps don't hit quota. Um, and so people are going to leave, right? They're either going to leave because they're not making enough money or they're going to leave because, you know, you're asking them to leave. Um, and everybody leaves with hopefully close to a full pipeline. And because there's such poor note taking, it's very, very difficult to have context on it. Um, one of the best stories that I had was we met one of our, uh, one of the account executives uh, that's on our platform and she had that exact same thing happen to her and she got assigned Salesforce, mm. right? That was the account. And she had to put together an RFP um, and she had no context for it. And then all of a sudden she realized, wait a minute, all of that rep's conversations were captured in chorus. And so she went in, she could immediately from the x-ray view, understand the key topics that were discussed, get right into the moments of the conversation where the prospect was talking, listen to those, and then put the proposal together. And that type of, you know, opportunity mm -hmm. um, happens all the time, right? How much, how, much, how much money are we leaving on the table? Because 
a sales rep leaves or we change territories in the middle of a quarter, right? And then new people take on accounts where there is some context um, and you lose all of that. So having access to the recordings and the transcripts make it really easy to get that context and, and continuity. And I love it. And the phrase I'll add to that is time to value, right? If you bring somebody new for the first time, the time to value, to get them up to speed and, you know, uh, being able to produce something just shortens, which is why this is valuable. But I also think when you look at a company's asset stack, the conversations now become an asset to the company. Have you seen that? Have people appreciated that subtle point about what you're doing? You know, I think, I, I don't think that we're there just yet. Um, with our customers, we always start with sales because, you know, people, people realize, wait a minute, you're shortening our RAM times by 50%. Okay. Like that, that's important to us. We're growing or wait a minute, you know, you can, you can impact our win rates by 30%. Okay. Like I want to understand how you do that. Um, but ultimately the conversations with customers should be at least one source of truth for the entire go-to-market leadership team, right? As a sales leader, the conversation that you want to have with your marketing partner is around what's happening in the deals, right? Today, so many marketers are only formally rewarded on leads generated, right? Although they should be also measured on the win rate from opportunity creation to close. And so that usually is an informal metric that we're tracking, but, but how do you actually align on the source of truth? Like what is happening? If a marketer wants to help you, uh, improve your competitive win rate. How can they do that if they don't actually have access to what the market is saying about your product versus your competitors and they have to go have a random conversation with each salesperson? Imagine how different it is for your marketing partner if they can log into a system and just say, show me every competitive deal that we won in this vertical last quarter. And let me just hear exactly how the reps positioned it that worked. And let me hear exactly what resonated with the customer and take that and turn it into an asset, right? Um, and so, you know, I think that when you, when you start to use the platform and you get the entire team involved, you realize that it is this asset. Hmm. But at the very beginning, you know, in the first one or two months, what you're really thinking is, wait a minute, how do I take these five reps on my team and help, help them up their game? So as you know, I, and I love the fact that you brought in marketing because there is this merger between sales and marketing we're seeing more and more. When you're looking at the salespeople, getting back to the actual salespeople using course, analyzing the conversations, you know, what are some of the, you know, just the anecdotal stories or maybe true stories about, you know, some of the behavioral changes that you've seen, examples of, you know, they, they listened to the information, they saw where they lost the deals, and then they made certain adjustments. You know, tell me some stories about that. Give me one or two examples. Yeah. So, you know, it sounds really simple, but I think that the biggest data point that will surprise people for the first time is engagement, right? Or the talk to listen ratio. And so one of the things that we do is we show people how engaged different people in the meeting were. Um, and two things usually surprise people when you see the data. One is I talk more than I think I do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I could probably shorten my answers. Right. And number two, I'm not engaging everyone in the meeting the way that I should. So one of the analysis that we did was look at one deals and we found that in lost deals, you would average one prospect per meeting in the meeting, right? So it's, it's a lot of one-on-one -on -one meetings. In deals where you win, you actually have more than one prospect in the meeting with you, um, which really suggests that part of what we're doing in sales is 
helping facilitate a conversation within our buyers' organizations. Um, and in those situations, it's really important to pull people into the conversation, right? So, Victor, I imagine like when you're having your own internal team meetings, as, as a leader, as a facilitator, if you notice somebody who's being quiet, you want to pull them in, right? You want to know what they're thinking. What do you think about that? And so that engagement mm-hmm. metric um, is, is really powerful. Um, and so we usually start there uh, because self-awareness is such a big part of it. Um, beyond that, we usually try to focus in on one or two really simple but high-impact things. Um, because obviously learning how to run better conversations could be a lifelong pursuit. And many organizations have, you know, coaching programs that get implemented. Um, but oftentimes it might be something really, really simple. Um, like, you know, one of our competitors is a, is a company called Outreach.io. Sorry, not competitors, but one of our customers is a company called Outreach. Uh, phenomenal company. Um, it's run by Manny Medina in Seattle. Um, extremely high growth company. They're in a competitive market. And one of the things that they realized was, if we get really, really good at selling versus our competition, that one thing will help us more than anything else, right? And so for Outreach, that was one of their initiatives. And so they, they tasked Mark Cosaglo, who is their original VP of sales, to go learn from every one deal that the team had in the last six months and really understand what was resonating with the market when they were talking about Outreach versus other competitors and built a playbook around it. Um, And then through that, they flew everybody into Seattle. They trained everybody on what was proven to work in the market. And because of that, right, like salespeople are skeptical, rightfully so, right? And so just telling them something doesn't work. But when you can back it up with the data, they're saying, wait a minute, this actually helped us close that deal. And this, this was actually what was used that helped us close that deal. Then all of a sudden, they're going to be more likely to use it. So they brought everybody in. They trained it on it. And I can't, I can't share the results, but the, the impact on their competitive win rate was astronomical. Um, and so every organization is going to have something that really matters. It might be that we're introducing a brand new product. And so let's get really, really good at understanding who's talking about that product. Where are they bringing it up in the sales cycle? How are they positioning it? Right. right. It may be a competitor. It may be something else. But we usually say, like, start with something simple that's going to move the needle. Yeah. You know, I, I you know, as you're talking, I just hear Neil Rackham's comment. It's not what you sell. It's how you sell in today's market, because we're reaching a point where all products and services are beginning to look alike. And so it's those mm-hmm. conversations that we're having with people, the appropriate conversations that make a difference. And and I, and I loved your example. I want to highlight this because you know, to you, it's you know, you're enjoying. Uh, you, you've gone through using program, and you take these things for granted. But I just heard a nugget that I thought was pretty cool, which is if I'm doing deals with only one person in the room, if I'm only having a conversation with one person in the room, my deals are not gonna, probably. It's not going to go through. And I think that that's a key insight. And because now mm-hmm. what I would do is again, I would change my my selling behavior, which is to make sure there's more than one person in that room if I have that piece of insight. And I love that. It's a great yep. piece of data, man. It's a great piece of data. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, imagine how often does a meeting end and somebody said, Hey, we just need to have an internal debrief, hmm. right? right? As a salesperson, wouldn't you love to be a part of that conversation? Absolutely. Right. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you love to help facilitate it? Um, and uh, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of things that we take, we take for granted that we've learned. Um, you know, another one that really just comes to mind is the power of storytelling. Hmm. You know, there's, um, there's, there's incredible research. And one of the things that, um, you know, that I tell, I tell our customers is 
if you want to learn how to be a better salespeople, I'm a big believer in just learning the fundamentals of business, right? Like how businesses operate, how organizations work and human psychology. Because at the end of the day, that's, that's what we're trying to influence and understand. Um, and humans are really hardwired to zero in to stories. And the very best salespeople, I think, are amazing storytellers, right? And so the other thing that, that I encourage people to do is let's use the AI to find those amazing customer stories and listen to the way that folks are telling them. Um, and that can be extremely difficult for new salespeople because they just don't have the experience, right? If they haven't done it, if they don't have a customer that they actually closed and then, you know, we implemented the product and we helped them get these amazing results, they're telling a story, you know, two or three people removed. And I think that that, that lack of authenticity comes through to a buyer, right? Sure. And so if you can hear either a sales rep telling that story or for many of our customers that are using Chorus to record their customer success and account manager conversations, you can hear the customer themselves telling a really authentic story of the impact that your solutions had on the business. And that's, I mean, that's a great, another great point is that, you know, if you're just coming into the business or you're not, you haven't been in the industry for a long time, you don't have the stories. And to be able to listen in on somebody else's stories, and I don't want to say cop their stories, but basically say, you know, hey, my, my colleague Roy, had a customer and here's what happened and be able to tell that story, but to hear it, not that Roy told me the story for me to actually hear it, hear the customer's responses. It, it fortifies me within the meeting. And I, and I love that. I think, I think the storytelling piece is creative, but I think again, what I love about this is that when you can tie that into the data, because you know, salespeople, as you say, they're very skeptical about everything, but when you look at data, that's what they really want. Tying that together, I think makes sense. And I love the storytelling piece. The, so when you're looking at, you know, the future of where this is going, I mean, this is getting, to me, it's getting exciting. And again, maybe I'm too enthusiastic about AI and sales, but, you know, coming from an engineering background, I see this, 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 this convergence, a very useful convergence of now I can use data to kind of, you know, navigate the waters as opposed to just being an art, right? The ability to influence, persuade. Mm -hmm. Now I can actually say, no, this is what works structurally. And this makes sense. You know, when you're talking to companies about restructuring their sales process, for example, you know, how do you handle that? You know, how do you kind of, you know, say, here's how our product, of course, can help you redo your sales process. Talk to me about some of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, I would say it comes down to change management and change management comes down to small wins and building momentum. And, and I think that that's, that's a good um, rule of thumb for most things. Um, a lot of us try to bite off. We think that there's going to be one silver bullet, right? That's just going to be, it's going to be the magic solution for everything. We need to do everything all at once. Sometimes that's not the right way to drive change. Um, and so, you know, when we work with a, when we work with a customer, um, maybe not everybody wants to start using cores from day one. And we're okay with that because we want the solution to, to be used the way that people want to buy it and, and want to use it. So we might just start with one team. And all of a sudden, you know, you hear a story of a rep that says, wow, you know, at first I was skeptical about recording my calls, but I had this champion that couldn't join a meeting. And because I had the recording, I could send it to him and give him that, that relevant part and ended up shortening our sales cycle dramatically. So now all of a sudden, I'm really happy that I have this recording because it allows the buyer to use it as an asset internally to bring other people into the conversation. And so now all of a sudden, you know, you help share that story within the organization. Um, 
and then you know you start saying okay well sorry there's uh, some sirens in san francisco right now that's right um and then beyond that you start to say uh you know hey we found this one insight um you know for one of our customers at zoom the insight was that there were there were seven sellers within the organization that were actually telling the founding story and the ai identified that they were just doing something different they were telling the founding story of the company and it was really effective um, and it was leading them to win even more deals than they normally did. And so we shared that and we said, you know, hey guys, there's this thing that seems to be working. Why don't you try it? And then people start trying and then they realize that like, hey, it's actually helping us win more deals. Um, and then that builds the momentum internally, right? Um, and so I would say like for many things, um, think about something that works and then try to roll it out, right? One of the biggest challenges in sales is actually driving change through the front lines. Yeah. And one of the things that you can do with a platform like Chorus is get visibility into what's happening, right? If we, if, we, if we see that there's a customer story that's working, wouldn't you want to know who on the team is using this customer story? Mm -hmm. and, if, and if you just say like, hey guys, let's try to use this customer story in these situations. Let's practice it together. Let's get it right. And then let's really roll it out. You can do that. Um, and so, you know, I just say, let, let's pick one thing at a time. Let's find the best way to do it. Let's roll it out. Let's see the results. And then let's use that momentum to earn the right to do more. Um, and a lot of change in sales organizations comes bottoms up. And I think that they need to, they need to earn that right to do more. Yeah. To really tie it down and to really, again, appreciating the conversation because we know salespeople, great salespeople who tell you, you ask them, you know, how do you do it? How do you, you know, how are you hitting your number every quarter? And they're like, oh, I don't know, Victor, I just go in there and I just do it. You know, that's their, and they can't train people. And this is almost like, you know, getting inside their head. I think there's a phrase for it. It's called Polanyi's paradox. And that's that people know, but they can't explain it. And so this tool mm -hmm. aims to solve that problem. Here's what they're actually doing. Yeah. So final question, Roy, because I know you're a busy man. Big question, looking forward in the future, Chorus AI, where is this going over the next, let's just say two or three years? Proactive, real-time insights. That's what, it, that's what it's going to be. You know, today, we're in this mode of looking at reports and analytics and insights, and that doesn't move at the speed of business. Um, if I'm in a conversation, I have one shot to get it right. And so, you know, what our customers tell us is, if, if, we, have a new, if we have a new prospect that comes inbound, it costs us $3,000 to get that person in the room for a 30 minute meeting. We have one shot to make an impression. We know that there are three things that we wanna cover in that meeting. And when you look at the data, you realize that most people don't do those three things consistently, right? right. And so you've just wasted a ton of money, right? And so imagine two scenarios. Scenario number one, you get into a meeting, course.ai recognizes the context and says, hey, here's the checklist of five things that we wanna get done. And so as you're going through them, check, check, check. You're just getting that feedback, right? That helps you be more consistent and do the things that we know matter. And then point number two is a real-time battle card. Imagine that you're in the meeting and somebody asks you about a competitor. Now you could do what you always did. You could try to think back to that training or that certification that you did six weeks ago. But imagine that the AI understands the context and just says, you know, like the equivalent of your manager putting a post-it note beside your screen and just saying, <laughs> Here are the three points. Here's why we're different. Here's why we win. And by the way, Victor, 
Here's an example of a customer that actually switched over from that solution last quarter. And here's why they did. And arming the salesperson with that information in the moment. So, you know, I think managers are so busy that the small things the AI should be able to do for you, right? They should be able to augment the experience for the salesperson and help them be more effective. Um, and I think that that's going to be extremely powerful. Yeah, I think I think the system actually increases a salesperson's certainty when they're having a conversation and they'll be able to transmit that as they're having the conversation. What I'd like to see you, I'm going to be selfish here, Roy. What I'd like to see you do over the next two to three years is that if you can take what you're doing today and then tie it together with, you know, I have this vision of we're recording the conversation, but visually I'm looking at your face, right? And I'm able to detect all these like, I don't know, micro expressions that add more, I guess, flavor or context to the conversation. Like I said something, the guy just kind of sneered a little bit. You know, I mean, that's what I want you to do in the future, if you don't mind. That's my wish. <laughs> Tell your investors. You know what? <laughs> I feel like we're just we're just scratching the surface. I mean, you know, we um, when, when I talk to the team at Zoom, you know, m- many people don't realize that with so many digital meetings, there is hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue flowing through conversations like this. Mm-hmm. And platforms like Zoom are putting video front and center. So mm-hmm. what you're describing isn't sci-fi. We can look at it. We can start to look at, is there engagement? How are people reacting? Right. Um, and you can, you can learn about that stuff. You know, I think the biggest challenge is not overwhelming the salesperson, right? I mean, we're in the zone when we're in a conversation and we want to be laser focused on the prospect. Um, and it's hard, you know, it's hard to process too many things coming at you at once. And so I think the real question is going to be, you know, for the average salesperson, what can we do that will really help and not distract and have a meaningful impact on the number? I love it, Roy. On that note, I'll say goodbye. Thank you for your time. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.